time since Lauren Lanning has made a game, but the creator of Oddworld is back and hopes to be back for a while, depending on how players receive uh, the update that he's working on uh, with Just Add Water to Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, uh, so the 2D uh, gorgeous-looking platformer uh, from... Uh, uh, many, many years ago uh, that has aged pretty well, uh, but Lauren is going back to it, doing a complete visual re-ramp, doing some gameplay tweaks. It's mostly the game you remember, uh, and it looks pretty terrific from what I've played. And I also had a chance to chat with Lauren about how he's approaching this, how much the game needs to sell in order for them to make uh, an update to Abe's Exodus or to do a brand new Oddworld game. And he gives me some details about that new Oddworld game. Uh, so, you know, what happens from here is kind of in the hands of the players, but... Uh, well, why don't I just let Lauren explain how he's thinking about this. Yeah, it's been a lot of work. I mean, what we wanted to do is we wanted to push the animation fidelity quite a bit. Right. And uh, so, like, all your movie sequences and all your, uh, all your uh, gameplay is all rendered in Unity. So the entire thing is Unity rendered. Right. Which is kind of nice because we've got a greater consistency between the two. But on the sequences, we did some post stuff to just get a little more juicy. We did all the movies and all that. There's a few new movies entirely introducing Paramonia, introducing Scrabania a little better. And, uh, but we really wanted to push the animation fidelity, and that was a big part of sort of Oddworld always. And um, in Unity, the, I think it's, it's, it, people are just beginning to really push the animation uh, threshold of it. And like I was saying, they've been really responsive, so we're pretty happy with how all that's working out. And then the rendering, I'm actually quite surprised. I, I, the rendering is better than I thought it would be uh, at this stage, meaning uh, stage of the Unity engine. Like, had I seen Unity rendered like this uh, a year and a half ago, it would have been like, oh, what are we talking about? Use <laughs> Unity, you know. But it just wasn't seeing it yet. Right. But, uh, you know, hats off to their capability of what they've been doing. I mean, I think it's... Um, I'm, we're, we're pretty surprised. We had to work with them on the lighting to get... Uh, just like what should be pre-baked, what should be more dynamic, and right. I think we were trying to push that. It was very important to us. Unity, again, was extremely responsive uh, in a surprising way. I would say surprising. It's usually really hard to get those <laughs> kinds of results. But it's like they they really want to see their engine um, you know, performing at its, at its best. And while this, uh, you know, we're, we're in a platformer-like mode, but that animation fidelity and the lighting capability and the physics of bringing Abe to you know, new, new gen was uh, it was really high on our priority list, and then it's kind of it's working out. You know, you've been playing it. Yeah. So. So, so, what is it like to go back to a game that you know is you know quite a few years old at this point? You know, it's a game you made a long time ago. Like, yeah. is it exciting to go back to an old design, or is it like sort of like oh god, like these things that you know in, in hindsight I wouldn't have done if I was making this game today? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was there was a lot of the <laughs> things we wouldn't have done, right? And we're trying to correct those. So this is interesting. I was talking to Paul O'Connor, who was uh, one of the, the original designers on it, mm -hmm. and he goes, you guys are rebuilding this game, but that was a game that was designed and built all on limitations. I was like, yeah, I know. It doesn't really make sense, but uh, here's what we found interesting, is we started polling the audience. Like Once we started uh, bringing the games back to life on digital platforms in about 2008, 2009, then we've been financing uh, you know, uh, Stranger HD and Stranger Vita and things like that. So it's, all, it's been helping us mature uh, the relationship and the production capability of JAW as well in the UK. And so I've been over there a few months on this production already, and will be more because this is a really important game to us. And if we blow it, kind of, we're self-financed, so we, right. we, we blow it big time. <laughs> 
and uh, I wish it had cost less, but to get what we were looking for, this is what it wound up being. And I th but I think that it's on the screen. You know, it's in the gameplay. And uh, but going back to it, it was like what we found. Sorry, to back up what I was saying was enabled to start having conversations with the audience, right. which we weren't really having when we were doing retail. We didn't really know who was buying our product. There, was, there was no real way to communicate with the audience back then. There were like maybe yeah. feedback forms in a game, but it wasn't yeah. like real-time, like exactly. nuanced player feedback like today. You can get on Twitter and things like that, and it's instantaneous. Yeah. It's almost too much feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it can be overwhelming at times, right? We announced a price yesterday, and I was looking at NeoGAF last <laughs> night. I was like, wow, I had no idea it would be this sort of eruptive, you know? But, um, but what's great is we can actually hear the audience. And so what we did, and this is what led to this title, was we were basically polling, you know, our Facebook fans and things like that to say, look, we don't, we don't really, we would like to build a new Oddworld product, like brand new, but these are expensive games to make, you know? And the original Abe was, you know, it was like a $4 million game. That was in ninety, you know, four to ninety-seven. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exponentially more these days for a game of that yeah. scale. Yeah, and so we're trying to. Our our model is, as an indie, is tr trying to achieve AAA indie, and we're also trying to achieve that. There's some perceptions right now in indie that I'm kind of surprised at, but makes sense. That basically indie means cheap. Indie means experimental, but not necessarily that polished out. And, you know, that's not the case in motion pictures, right? right. Indian motion pictures, that's who's winning the Academy Awards most of the time because they're better pictures. They, they're able to have more creative director, writer freedom than working with a big studio. And so that's why we're excited about indie. But AAA indie is, should be a common vernacular. And I think more and more titles are going to be trying to push independently. I mean, it costs more money. You take greater risks for yourself. But why not? Like, why does indie have to mean it's a $10 or $15 price point? And so we're, we're trying to validate that, look, we can expect AAA from indie. I'm not saying this is AAA going out and trying to compete with Grand Theft Auto or something. <laughs> like, no way, you know, not delusional. But when it comes to having an experience that's tight, that plays well, that's pretty to look at, you know, that's, that's, that's more of a finely crafted craftsmanship experience, which is something we always sort of prided ourselves on, was just the love that goes into the product. And so in getting to know the audience better today, we're polling them. We look, yeah, we would like to create a brand new IP on Oddworld. We'd like to bring you a brand new game. But we also have expectations of how game, good our game should be. And that means that new game is more money than we can afford right now. But if we could do something, what would you like us to do? And it came back... Uh, oh, heavily, heavily in favor of redo Abe's Odyssey, like really redo it. And uh, people are still confused on, they, I see conversation going, this is, this is an HD remake. No, it's not. This is built, ground up, all new. You played it. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's much, in my opinion, it's much more it's than... It's high-res assets. Like it's you not high-res assets. Yeah. It's not a quick dollar make. It's something that we could do... Uh, and redo Abe, like re rebirth Abe in this new gen. Uh, but what we found was that the audience wanted more of that 2D style of play. And that was really sort of a surprise for us, you know, because I was like, why is that? Like, at the time when we made Abe, people were all only interested in 3D. And we did Abe because we wanted graphics to stand out, we wanted backgrounds that were more lush, we wanted to do things you couldn't do in 3D. And at that day, you could not. And 
So the best looking graphics I remember at that time were, was uh, Tomb Raider, like was the best on the PSX. And so we're looking at that and going, okay, if we redo it, why is it that, that they like the 2D play? And what we found was, was that there, there tended to be, like we just kept on polling, we kept on asking. And what they, it, the, the takeaway I had was they didn't want to be thinking about steering in a 3D world. They didn't want to be thinking about where exactly should they be looking. That there was something about those old 2D platformers that allowed them to sort of absorb the experience as a whole and go, I'm left or right, but I'm not navigating a hairline. Of, you know, I'm being, having that led something that people want to see more of again today, which is really interesting. I didn't see that coming. And so when we made this decision, we said, okay, if we redo Abe's Odyssey, and then we let the audience name it, we said, what should it be called? You know, and then polling, 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 eventually came back new and tasty. And we were like, okay, new and tasty. So we're trying to listen to that more and dial in what we're offering at, uh, relative to what we can afford and being honest about it. Like, no one wants to build a new Oddworld game more than me, right? But I don't want to work with the big publishers anymore. I've had enough. And all the reasons have been well spoken about, and a lot of them never will be, because legally, you can't say that shit. But anyone who knows the development community knows what life has been like, especially if you're building AAA, and uh, that's where the huge fresh breath of what digital distribution offered is allowing us to sort of come back ourselves and self-finance it. So with each success, we pour it back in. So the successes of uh, Stranger HD, Stranger Vita, uh, and the games we had put up, they enabled this to get paid for, and hopefully this will enable more to get paid for. But that's how it is. We're not borrowing money for this stuff anymore. The games are paying for new games. And when we found that the audience wanted a 2D, it was like, how do we really maximize 3D and 2D, give them the simplicity of that understanding of like comprehending where I am, not being POV, you know, all these different things, and then enhancing that original game, not detracting from it. And that led to a number of design problems. And those problems were kind of scary. Because when we, it was like, well, we got a lot of unknowns and we're doing a, a few assumptions and we're doing a few predictions on what's going to go wrong because it's not flip screen versus continuous and real-time 3D. And that was kind of exciting and scary because you didn't know exactly. Like, I always have the confidence we can resolve the design problem. But when you don't have the answer, it's a little unnerving. And but once we got it really starting to run, then we could dial in and we could understand. And uh, uh, working with the team at JAW, we were able to, to figure out design solutions that really led to, you know, you're, you're playing it. And those, the, the, the original type of experience, I think, is enhanced. It's not detracted from. It's not uh, they're repackaged cheaply for a quick buck. A lot of love and care has been put into it. And while it's been a lot more work for me than I was expecting on this project, it was like, you know what? We're in deep on this. And uh, uh, JAW as a studio is still like finding a lot of its own legs, you know, to, to really synergize into new product. And I was like, I need to just really dive into that. But the thing that's made it, so I wasn't that happy about that because I want to dive into new product that I was hoping, you know, that could go. Uh, but. The team has, when you look at the backgrounds, when I look at this, the assets, uh, the love and care that people were putting into the original, like at a craftsmanship level, it's actually, Jaws bringing very much the same of that love and care, you know, particularly with the artists and, uh, 
and the assets that they've been building. And like every time I would look at assets, I'm not asking for all these new details. I'm not asking for every little fan to turn, you know. But the longer you stare at each one of these screens, especially at high res, like the more is going on in those backgrounds. Like they really put the effort into sort of bring that to life and try and make it, you know, there's a lot of heart and soul into it. So that really rubbed off the edge of, God, why am I spending, I wasn't planning on spending a few months in the UK this year, you know. But uh, because of the synergy of the team and because the attitude is there, um, it's, it's made it a lot more fun for me to be involved as a designer. I think if it was, if I was really like pulling teeth, you know, and being like, come on guys, it needs to be better, you know. That's not the, that's not a challenge. Like, they want to make it better. They want to put in what it takes to make it better. And making games is hard, right? But for myself, it's made it grueling because I just got back from being through there for three weeks. I averaged three and a half, four hours a night. I mean, I'd probably look like shit, and there's a good reason why. <laughs> but that's what the reality's been, and the team sticks it out, right. you know? And I have a, I've always had a leadership sort of uh, point of view of, I don't like, you know, uh, kung fu guys, you know, like if you're, gonna, if you're gonna lead it, you better be the first one on the mat in the morning and the last one to leave at night. And that's always been my philosophy just as a craftsman and as um, a, and a, a boss, you know. But the, that love coming back, like actually, you know, these people, they really love Oddworld, they're working on it. So it's really like fans working on Oddworld and wanting to make us proud as well. That's made it much more enjoyable. You know, if it was, if it was uh, not as conducive a relationship that way, where there was, that passion was there, I think it'd be a lot more difficult. Um, it makes it difficult to identify studios in the world that are really going to bring that love to it and not like, well, we put in enough time and energy. And even though it doesn't play that well, let's, let's ship it, you know? <laughs> this is like, they've had my promise. Uh, there's a number of challenges, you know? There's a number of challenges just building it on, a, on an engine that's not designed to do this exactly and going for the animation and lighting, real-time fidelity that we were going for uh, that it hasn't done yet. So there's a lot of sort of growth pains in figuring these things out. But it would have been really miserable to, uh, to really have to pull it along. Instead, it, it, it just needed more guidance and encouragement that we weren't gonna pre-release a game that really wasn't ready. And so my commitment to the team was, we're gonna release this when it plays really great. And that's my commitment to you. And if I need to be there for X number more months to make that happen, I'm going to be really kind of upset about that. But it's, it's worth it. And all, everyone put in the time and the love. I mean, they've, they've been working on this for about 18 months. And uh, that's what it deserves to be. It deserves to, to have an end result that equals the love and care that they put into it. And, uh, and like I said, because that love and care is there, it made the experience of building it more fun. Yeah. But building games is always a bitch. You know, anyone who tells you differently, <laughs> I just go, you're full of shit, because I know <laughs> games are really miserable to build. But we love it, we love the end result, and we're willing to bear through those pains. And I think, you know, quality, people who are building quality games feel that, and really, you know, it's like no one ever really had the budget to do anything right. I mean, maybe Grand Theft Auto V today, right? Like, <laughs> Jesus. But that's, but one, that's one game out of the thousands that are released yeah. every year that work under extreme constraints to make something hopefully close to what they set out to do. Right, exactly. And uh, you have to have that, like what I've always said is, my partner Sherry has always said, is you know, you don't get to have it up there and say, we, but we only had this time and money when it releases, right? No one gives a shit at the that players point. Players don't care, they, they just want a good game. Yeah. And what they care is, are they getting a good value for their game? And 
and without having that sign that says, yeah, but please understand why this isn't playing well or something like that, it's not there. So you never really have a budget that says make an excellent game. That has to come from the extra time and energy that people are going to put in. And in my time in the game business, I've never seen a great product release that didn't, where the people didn't really, I mean, you know, overtime and shit like that is notorious in the industry, right? But, you know, same in film. And you know, you never saw a film that you loved where people weren't doing that. And I can guarantee you that you haven't played games that you love where people weren't doing that. Not just because someone was cracking the whip on them, but because they really cared about making a great product, a great playing product. And I think that care is there. And without it, it would be, uh, you know, it would be totally pulling the load uphill. But because of it, for me, uh, it's made it a lot more fun. Like it's looking better than I thought it was going to look on this gen, on this, you know, with what we were dealing with. I think we're pushing Unity to look uh, surprising in a few different ways that I haven't seen yet. And I think that also, there's a, there's a number of things that we like going on with with uh, the new way, you know, like Unity and then asset stores. Like one of the things that we did was we're just scrolling the asset stores and we're looking who's got good particle effects, who can we attract some, who's got you know royalty free things. So there's people out there, there's little um, pockets of people that are doing nothing but producing little packs of effects packs, things like that, and they're putting them up on the store. And they sell them for like 20 or $30 or something, you know, if they're good, right? right? And you're like, oh my God, that used to be two weeks of programming for us or, or working it out. And so we're able to gain a lot from the sort of community assets that, that people are building their own little businesses on. And one of the things we're doing in credits is we're really highlighting those places. I think some of these guys who build like Unity assets will be like, oh my God, you know, like they're actually giving me a bold face credit here. And that's not typical, you know, and then uh, coming from film, coming from television and then getting into games, uh, what always I resented a lot uh, and most of the community does is what it takes for people to get the credit for the work they actually did. And uh, there, there's always from the top down this like, well, Who's in the credits, and do they deserve a credit? And there's all this stuff. And, and I've worked on films and stuff. My name's not on the film. You know, the guy who catered the sandwich truck's name is on the film because he had a union, right? But we, as visual <laughs> effects people, we never had unions. So you would see like the hand model who showed up on the movie for a half an hour is getting a credit in the film, but the effects company that killed themselves to make those effects great, they weren't getting credit at all. And and you've seen that in games as well. So we want to be generous on the other front. Like we want to, everyone who helped us, whether they're aware of it or not. And a lot of these people, they don't know that we're using their asset packs and then we modified their scripts and then we plugged it in with different effects and things like that. But we want to know, we want them to know when we release and they see the credits that we've actually highlighted them with a special appreciation because what they're doing in terms of contributing to a community tool set is actually really significant, and it's and it's much needed and long overdue for the game business. And Unity's doing that pretty well. Uh, we were using some other tech before, like uh, Turbo, uh, not Turbo Squid, uh, uh, Torque. You know, I was doing a different project that was using Torque, and there was more of it happening on in that new way. Like you can buy community assets that people are selling. It allows individuals with certain passions, like maybe they just like programming particles. Maybe they just like providing cool texture maps. Uh, but they can actually start building businesses on that. And we think that's really important for the industry, like hugely, because it allows us to reduce costs and inherit that. And so we're actually trying to flag that and be like, check out these people. They really help. They, don't, they might not even be aware of it, but they really helped us deliver what, our target on this. And 
we think it's really important for the industry. So we hope everyone is following a similar model and like give credit everywhere where it's due. And uh, anyway, so I'm belaboring that a little bit, but you know, you know, you get the essence of it. Um, so I, I have to leave in a second, but I couldn't, I couldn't have you and not ask. Like you know, you said you want to make another Oddworld. Like I know the you talked very grandly about the original plans for the yeah. series. I remember you talked something about like eight or nine games, like games Yeah, exactly. Like if you, you know, if you're granted the opportunity to make something new, if this is a success, like are you going to pick up from where you were? At before, or do you have sort of a new roadmap for where you want to take the series? Well, one of the things I was always careful about was uh, that times change, right? So if you pre-map something today for five years out, you're going to be wrong, you know? So you have to loosely target what you want to achieve. And in the beginning, you got to remember, even when we did Munch for Xbox, Microsoft, what, what they were saying was that who we need to beat is Mario, right? At the launch of Xbox, that's who they thought they needed to be, right? And that was one of the reasons they wanted Oddworld, was they were like, we think you can sort of get, I'm not saying I'm Miyamoto, right? <laughs> I'm just saying like, that was, they were like, look, can you make this really interesting and, and, and we need to beat Mario, is basically the way they were looking at it as a casual gaming system. Now, then Halo comes out, right, with us simultaneously and just completely smokes us, right? <laughs> and for good reason, you know, this is awesome. They did awesome up at Bungie. And, uh, but it, the price point, a number of things dictated that the Xbox was not going to be a casual gamer's machine. It was going to be a hardcore gamer's machine. First of all, the price, like $4.99 back in that day. Right. And then secondly, Halo just knocked it out of the park. And so that's what made it spread. Xbox Live, you know, uh, uh, there was a number of things that made it spread. But I'm using that as an example to where, where you thought it was going to be a casual machine, it actually became the hardcore machine. And so if you're, you were planning then, I'm just going back to 2001, the release of the Xbox, Mar just imagine that, Mario was targeted as the game to beat. Right. And then Halo later, and you had a whole different, like shooters could feel really great on console now, you know. So to the Quintology, I've known at a story arc what I'd like to have happen. But I think some of the characters that I was planning for later games, I think uh, change because the times have changed. So this was one of the reasons we went to Stranger is, I mean, we got smoked by Halo, right? And it was like, how do we take what makes Oddworld special and bring more of what people are clearly showing they want? And at that time, people were clearly showing they wanted more action combat, they wanted more POV. And we were like, I was like, okay, as puzzle games, we can't compete with that, especially in retail. And this dictates a lot of the choices because it means if you don't sell fast, you're off the shelf, you're never gonna sell. And if you're off the shelf, there's nowhere to buy it. Like, that was the old reality. So retail, in many ways, was designing a lot of games indirectly, just because of what would stay on the shelf and what wouldn't. And now, it's a different world. But that led to Stranger being like, if people want a shooter, how do we make Oddworld be a, a shooter without losing the soul of what makes Oddworld special? And I think Stranger achieved that. It did it in a creatively different way. Uh, but as we look forward, that wasn't originally on my roadmap for the Quintology, but I felt like that was a game we had to make uh, to basically stay contemporary uh, with how these tides were changing. I didn't expect that people would say, we want more 2D gaming. Like, I did, absolutely did not see that coming. Because at the time, everyone you used to really say, who would write about Abe's Odyssey, it used to kill me because the first sentence would always be, well, not in 3D. 
I was like, you know what? Fuck you guys, man. I mean, seriously. And you're like, you're raving about this artwork on this low res. They're raving about the art art direction on this low res 3D game out there. And then Abe's got a whole different level of art direction. You don't even see it because you go, oh, it's not 3D. I want 3D today. It was like, God, you know. So that was a little frustrating. But to see it come back into a fashion where people are actually wanting more of that again is uh, was a big surprise. Getting to the quintology again, what goes forward is we measure it with time and what seems to be relevant. And then I also have a different constraint of, you know, building a new game from scratch. And for Oddworld, every time we did a new character, it's new mechanics. There's really fresh new mechanics. Whether or not we succeeded 100%, you know, is, is arguable at different times. But I think the, the brand represents people expect something different, quirky, real attention to art, real attention to quality, and they expect creative innovation in a unique way. Like it does mean we're innovating, we're, we're inventing a new genre, but we want to embellish in a genre in a way that hasn't been done before. I mean, just like Abe's Odyssey was rescuing Madokins with GameSpeak, you know, that wasn't happening. And part of that was I wanted to build the relationship between you and characters to make characters feel more emotionally engaging. And by having this sense that innocent things were really dependent on you in a really harsh environment to navigate them through, uh, was aiming at that sort of entertainment slash challenge intensity that we wanted to do that made you feel more responsible for these little life forms rather than I beat the challenge that got me a higher score. So going forward, uh, the price point on new content is higher. And uh, I mentioned yesterday with Eurogamer that we had a target of if we hit 250,000 units, we're able to build Exodus this way. And I think today the trailer releases, uh, I think some skepticism will be put aside because I think it, it shows pretty well. And, but ultimately the audience is gonna decide. And if the audience is deciding these kinds of games suck, then, then I need to alter what I think the plans would be for new games. If they're going, these are really rocking and, and, and we get a really positive feedback, uh, then it may shift our, our attention on what kind of game, what kind of interface is, would be those next games. But we're at, uh, at 250,000 units, we get to build Exodus. At double that, we finance brand new IP. And at that level, I know the game I'd like to make, you know, which is Fangus. And I've designed this uh, extensively over the last 18 months or so. And, but I can't say it's coming because we really need the success to, to make it happen because we're self-financed. And we like it that way. You know, we can, people are annoyed with us uh, because of our, we're not saying a specific date, you know, and that's totally reasonable. But we don't, look, the longer we delay, it costs us more money, right? That's a team, food's on the table every week, they need to be paid. And so shipping earlier is always a desirable, right? But, you know, look what happened to Battlefield, right? Somebody made a decision that their shareholders and timing was more important than their audience. Right. That's it. That's why that game shipped before it was ready. And I'm sure the team had felt like their heart was cut out because you can't have a game that great where the team doesn't notice that it's crashing, you know? <laughs> and so I'm sure it's killing them. And I've seen that happen. I mean, I've been on that side of the spectrum, so my heart goes out to them. But uh, uh, so for us, even with the date, we're like, look, there's no doubt. We want to wrap this up as soon as possible. But as soon as we give you a date, you're really going to be pissed at us if we don't make it. But we're trying to get it done as soon as possible. So we're not giving a date right now. And we're saying coming soon. And it is coming soon. And, uh, you know, the game is together, but it's got to be polished. It's got to be feeling great. It's gotta, we want all the timings, all the audio, everything to be right. 
And so it's, it's soon, but like I was saying, you know, the specific dates can bite you. And the way we look at it is the audience will forgive us for being a little later than they expected, but they're not gonna forgive us if it's not a great playing game. And then we're dead. And we can't afford to be dead. So we have to make a great playing game. And, uh, and ultimately the audience is gonna decide. I, I can say whatever I think about the game. Uh, I never brag about our products. I just feel like we're lucky to sort of be in the running and we're lucky that digital distribution happened where, where it was enticing enough to get back into focusing on games because the old model, I just didn't want to play anymore because it was a losing model for developers, period. You know? And, uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of gravestones at the side of that highway of people that just couldn't pull through with the way that deals were being structured, the things that we don't read about it as a fan community, the behind the scenes, what does the contract look like? What were the publishing hooks? What were the prearranged buyout conditions? You know? And all that stuff made building the games, um, it was taking a lot of fun out of the process, especially when you looked at a team you know, that would put their heart and soul into something and then you'd watch someone else that we had no control over just completely drop the ball at the 99 yard line. And that's a huge morale hit. And uh, you know, we've had our mistakes uh, personally and we've had external mistakes that we couldn't control. But now we are more in control of our own destiny yeah, but we need the success. And like I was saying, the audience is going to decide. The audience is going to decide if this is worth the price point that, we're, that we mentioned yesterday that uh, you know, they're talking about on NeoGAF last night. And so it's you know, uh, a little higher than people expect at $10 to $20. But why can't indie games be higher quality, right? Why can't? And we're going to see more and more of that. I think uh, that with the success of indie companies, as their buffers grow, you know, as their coffers grow, that they'll be able to invest more. And if they get validations that they don't have to sell at $10 or $15 if the game is worth it. Like the game has to be worth it, right? right. And our model now is great value at a great price. And, uh, and in that model, like I said, the audience is gonna decide. The audience is gonna decide if we were valid or not. The audience is gonna dictate if we get to build more games or not. Uh, I don't want to go back to the old way of financing games and then, and then deal with those old rules. And so hopefully, you know, they're happy with what we delivered. If they're happy with it, if they're really happy with it, we get to really start building new IP. But, but this is not an HD remake, right? This is a re redone completely in a different type of experience. And so for a couple million dollars again, we could do Exodus that way. So, uh, but if we want to do Fangus, I think we're at you know a minimum like more than double price point, because a lot of the budget in going into a new game that's trying to be innovative in different ways, like Stranger Innovation with controls first to third, the camera system, live ammo, those are really difficult problems to have, uh, to solve, and uh, they take a lot of time and they cost a lot of money and they delay the rest of production when they're not right. And so new games are, are harder and they cost more. So if the audience likes this enough, we'll be financed to start building that new IP. Uh, if they like it, okay. You know, if, if, they, if, they, if they give us, uh, you know, if it's positive but it didn't go like that, uh, we still get to make more of this flavor and hopefully combined, you know, I mean, all the money's going back into the games, right? It's, it's not going to shareholders or it's not, it's going back into the game. So right now, what we've been trying to do is what we've been doing, try to have success. We're bringing those old titles back originally to Steam, to converting from Xbox to PS3, to Vita. It's enabled the coffers get to this point, and 
hopefully that success continues. Hopefully the audience is happy. You're, you've been playing, so it's really, you'll have an opinion on that or not, you know? And so, you know, I can't, I can't write for you, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's where we are. That's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to get, we're trying to do AAA with the, the measly budgets that we have. And like I said, not AAA that's going to go compete with Battlefield or, or Titanfall or, you know, uh, the, the new, the new uh, Bungie game, you know, it, it, but Destiny. <clears throat> it's not that, but it's, it's, it should be tight. It should be quality. You shouldn't see weaknesses. It shouldn't feel flimsy. The controls should feel great. The images should flow. You know, it should work as a game that we expect packaged at a very high quality, not just something we go, oh, it's indie, so we forgive it for all these other reasons. 